We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. What is going on, Pacer Nation? Yes, indeed. We are here to talk all things prospects. It's episode four of the Prospect Chronicles, and we've got the one and only James Booknight from UConn to bring on. But before we get on to our guest into this prospect, I got to introduce my lovely co-host, his favorite UConn prospect, was former Indiana Pacer Kevin Ollie. His fiance thinks that Jeremy Lamb is cuter than he is. Give it up for Michael. The AJ Price is right. Fachi, Fachi, what's going on, brother? Wow, I don't know where to even start. I'm going to go with uh, no Jeremy Lamb, hands off, babes with me. Second of all, you know, AJ Price, hey, nice shout out. A blast from the past over there. I mean, uh, we, we got a fun episode for you today talking James Book Night, someone that I am very high on right now. Yeah, and, and our guest, Jared Katz, he is the better half of Mavs Drafts. I don't want to start any fights over there with the Mavs Draft co-host, but I just have to throw it out there because he's got less followers. So got to go follow Jared if you're not already. Really good insight on these prospects, and he is very, very, very fond of James Booknight, Fachi. He really is. I mean, he views James Booknight as having the potential to be a 20 to 25 points per game score. That's everything, you know, you salivate over when you're thinking of this is a guy that can really can create his own shot. I'm Like I mentioned, I'm really high on Booknight. I do think the scoring potential is through the roof. It's just there's some other parts of his game that, you know, you're wondering about. And if that scoring is just kind of being – a sophomore being the number one option on UConn. I don't know yet, but I do think his scoring will translate to the next level. Yeah. So one thing I will say is I was kind of flabbergasted by how low James Booknight has been falling in some of these recent mock drafts. And there's been some reports that maybe he should have stayed in UConn for another year. 
who knows? But I, I think that if there is talent and there is potential there and the guys you like are off the board and, and, and book nights up there, he'd be someone I'm intrigued to get, but I don't have anything else to say. Cause I don't want to take away the thunder from our guests. So Fachi, any final words before we bring in our guest? Hey, I don't, I don't want to spoil the movie for you. So let's bring on Jared and uh, get to it. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. We have a wonderful guest on today. He is the better half of the Mavs draft. You heard our good friend in the, the last couple of weeks ago, but uh, we have Jared Katz joining us from Mavs draft. Uh, Jared, what's going on, man? Oh, y'all are too kind, uh, but thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to, to talk some draft with you guys. Absolutely. So we're going to have you on for back-to-back episodes um, to end out the month of June. We didn't really talk about it off air. We just gave you two names that we wanted to discuss with you. So what episode would you like to do first? I'll, I'll throw it up to you. Um, well, I got uh, James Booknight a little higher on my board. So if it's cool with you guys, uh, you want to start with him? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Foch, I'll let you ask the first question, and we'll start talking about the prospect from UConn, James sure. Booknight. James Booknight, someone that honestly – I know I, I know I said this before. I'm starting to fall in love with this game. I watched a lot of film on Book Night today and loved what I saw. We're talking about a 6'5 sophomore coming out that, you know, Jared, if I have this right, I guess it's my first question. Would you view him as the third-ranked two-guard in this draft or the second-ranked? Because Jalen Green, Moses Moody, those are two guys that I'm very high on as well. Um, so personally, I have book night six on my board, uh, which I know is higher than the consensus. So, um, as far as two guards go, I would have him right behind Jalen green. Uh, ultimately I think the three level scoring is going to translate, uh, at the next level. Um, and I, I'm not, I, I, I buy into the playmaking enough that, to me, there's um, a very high-level offensive player um, lurking in Booknight. And 
for me, I, I have to put him pretty high up on the board. Well, let me ask you this, because I've seen a lot of mock drafts have him, you know, outside of the lottery. I've not seen a whole lot with him in that top 14. And I feel like most people that I've talked to on NBA Twitter seem to, you know, view James Booknight as a much higher prospect than some of these national guys are. So where, where do you think that difference is? What's going on there? So I think part of that has to do with the the shooting numbers. You look at the efficiency. Uh, he shot 29% from three this year, th just under 35% last year. Um, so not ideal, but I think part of that is chalked up to him taking some difficult shots. Um, when I watch him shoot, I don't really see many mechanical issues. It's just not falling. Um, but he's a good finisher around the basket. He's a really solid free throw shooter, right around 80% for his career. Um, so to me, the, the shot is projectable. Uh, I think the numbers are, um, are a little skewed in that sense. I think there's a few prospects, um, this year where that's the case. Um, and then I think you also have to look into, you know, he was limited to 15 games this year. Um, he he's had injuries. Um, it's not something that you can just kind of, uh, blow off. Um, but to me, I think those are probably the two main reasons. Uh, and you could probably also add in some, some people may not buy into the playmaking or, or the defensive upside. So I know you mentioned, you know, his, um, you know, inaccuracy or basically his field goal percentage numbers not being where you want because he, you know, his shot selection, a little bit risky at times, but something that I love is his ability to get to the rim and finish at a high level finishing at nearly 63% in the paint. Can you, can you shed a little bit of light on what it's like for Book Knight's ability to get to the rim and get to the foul line? Yeah, I think that's part of what makes him such a dynamic offensive threat. Um, he's got a quick first step, and he's a really explosive leaper. Uh, you don't really expect it, I, I guess, just kind of the way he carries himself on the court, and then all of a sudden he kind of just explodes to the rim. Um, but but I, I think those you know the the combination of, of the hang time he gets, his touch around the rim, um, and and his creativity as well. Uh, makes him a really, really strong finisher. Um, and that just opens up the rest of his offensive game. Um, you know, if if somebody wants to sag off because they're afraid of him driving, uh, then that just makes his his jump shot that much better. Once they start closing out on the jumper, uh, he attacks that closeout. And, and like you said, he can finish really strong at the rim, uh, finish with either hand. Um, but uh, again, I think a lot of that has to do with the 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 athleticism, the ability to to beat his man, you know, with the first step, uh, turn the corner, and then obviously the explosiveness uh, to get up and finish above the rim. So in terms of ceiling and floor, would you say that he has a low floor and a high ceiling, a high floor, high ceiling, or, or where would you rank that in terms of where you see his ceiling at coming into this year's draft? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, to me, I actually think he's got a pretty like medium floor. Mm -hmm. um, if I think if nothing else, you're looking at a guy who can come off the bench and be a volume scorer for you. Um, but I, I think his um, his all around skill set um, really lends to there being a potential 25 point per game score. Um, and I know that's a, a lofty expectation, um, and and you don't you don't throw that out there lightly. Um, but genuinely, I, I think if, if the shot starts falling, like I expect it to, um, I, I think he's going to be one of the most dynamic scores to come out of the draft.
You're getting me excited here, Jared, because I do think that this guy is an absolute <laughs> scorer. I mean, drop 40 against Creighton. Love what I saw. But when you're talking about a guy where his main strength is scoring, does it worry you a bit that he shot just under 30% on over five attempts per game from three? Or do you think that's something where it'll come eventually? Because I feel like from inside 17 feet and in, he was great. Move it out to three-point land, it was shaky. Yeah, no, it, it's totally fair. Um, you, you still have to look at the numbers and say, okay, why is he not converting at, at a clip that I would expect him to? Um, and I, I think a lot of it has to do with the difficulty of some of the shots he was taking, knowing that he's the guy at UConn, he really has to make plays happen. Um, there, there really wasn't anybody else in that offense that, that was going to take you know, the brunt of the workload. And so when they needed a bucket, he was going to go get it. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's part of why the, the numbers aren't where they're going to be. Now, I don't think he's going to be like a, you know, 40% shooter from three, but I think above league average is, um, is a very reasonable expectation. Um, and I think when, when you also look at the free throw numbers uh, and free throw shooting isn't everything, but a lot of times free throw percentage can correlate to three point percentage uh, just because it, you look at the, the touch that the player has, um, the, you, you kind of get a better idea of their, their form from the waist up. Um, and, and he's a good free throw shooter. Um, so I do think that the shooting will eventually translate, but I do think it's a fair concern. And, and I think that's why, you know, kind of referencing what, what we talked about earlier, um, why you see a lot of national guys um, maybe have him closer to, um, you know, where the paces are picking at 13. Well, I got to ask a little bit about his defense because it, it seems like not too many scouts or many reports out here are concerned with his defense besides besides his size. So would you say that's the case? And what, what do you like about his defensive game? Yeah, so so I think first of all, he's he's a smart player on both sides of the floor. Uh, he's got a good basketball IQ. He gives a pretty decent effort most of the time. Um, and I think that says a lot because again, he was that number one offensive option on UConn. And you see a lot of, um, offense first guys maybe take some plays off on defense and I thought for the most part book Knight did a pretty good job giving effort and that's half the battle um he's you know he's not long per se but he is six five um so he's he's not small um and I think he's got pretty solid lateral mobility um and underrated strength as well um so I think he moves his feet well uh, he's able to stay in front of guards um, but I don't think he's really going to get bullied either. I think he does a good job of staying low, kind of kind of locking down and, um, you know, kind of refusing to get to get bullied. From everything I read, definitely seems like he is a very capable defender and a good rebounder for his size. I mean, just under six rebounds per game. Um, but this is someone who's obviously much better with the ball in his hands than without it. Offensively, do you think he could still be, you know, contributor without the ball in his hands? Uh, I think it's doable. I think it will be a bit of an adjustment for him. Um, you know, like you just mentioned, he he's used to having the ball in his hands all the time. Um, but I think we we saw some flashes of him, you know, making timely cuts to the rim, and we know he can finish. 
Um, he's probably not going to be a guy that you're, you know, consistently running off of pin downs and running through a whole bunch of screens to get him open looks for three. Um, but I, I do think he's, he's not going to be a guy that gives up the ball and stands there and looks around. Um, you know, I think he'll, he'll try to move to a spot where he can get the ball back and do some damage. Um, so, you know, he's not a guy that, that you really want being the lead guard running the offense. Um, but being that secondary guy, um, you know, secondary ball handler, that wing um, probably suits him better. Do you envision him coming in right away and being a starter for a team that's picking somewhere in that, I guess, uh, probably 10 to 20? I mean, I'd be surprised if he went before 10, but anything could happen. So I guess out of that top five, maybe all the way up to 20, where he's been mostly mocked, do you consider him like a, a plug and play starter right away? Or do you think he's more of a project that you bring off the bench and kind of let him get his feel for the game? So I think he's pretty well polished at this mm -hmm. point. Um, you you see some of the, the moves he has in his bag to get himself open. He's got a really nice step back game um, and, and his ability to, to kind of keep his dribble, get to the rim. Um, but ultimately, I, you know, it's going to depend on the team that drafts him. Um, I, I think he is capable of getting into the starting lineup and playing close to 30 minutes a game right away. Um, if, you're picking closer to 20, uh, you may not have that spot available right away, in which case he's coming off the bench. And, you know, that could be really good for him as well, uh, just giving him an opportunity to kind of feast on other teams' second units. Um, and uh, I think either way could, could, could benefit him. Either he gets starting minutes right away and he's, he's contributing at a high level or, um, you know, he's able to come off the bench and, and – kind of work his way into the mix. You know, being a sophomore, uh, I think he's a bit more proven as you know you're getting a guy that can score. I mean, obviously we mentioned he was the go-to option at, you know, UConn, but average just under 19 points per game. But it's it's going to sound a bit wild to say, but do you think being a sophomore, you know, and having recently turned 21 by the time, you know, the NBA season starts up, do you think that hurts his draft stock at all when most of the top 10 is all freshmen? Uh, unfortunately, I think it does. Uh, and I say unfortunately because I think we've we've seen time and time again um, that, at least in my opinion, the, the whole age factor is is a little overrated. I think, yeah, all things being equal, you're you're going to take the younger guy because you know there's probably more development there. You you get him for longer in theory. Um, so I, I get the argument, but. Again, I, I think Book Knight's a pretty special talent. And, and I know I have him ranked higher than most people do. Uh, again, number six on my board. Um, but when you're talking about a player of that caliber, um, I'm not going to personally, I'm not going to go down a tier because, you know, there's an 18 or 19 year old that's that that is available as well. Um, but we've seen that's kind of how the NBA operates sometimes. We we see some and it generally happens if you're closer to 22, 23, but you still see some situations where, uh, you know, Desmond Bain last year was a guy I really liked, uh, fell all the way to, was it the last pick of the first round, I think, uh, because mm -hmm. he was old or, you know, quote unquote old. Um, but if you can play, you can play. Um, so, you know, that, that's kind of my rant on it, I guess. <laughs> Well, let me ask you this because I know that you're really high on Book Night, and we we just dis, we discussed Moses Moody 
um, a couple weeks ago. And this is a guy that I actually have just a bit over book night and Moses Moody really like his game, but I do think his floor might be a little bit higher with the ceiling. Might be, maybe not as high. I mean, how would you evaluate those two guys? If you're, if you're selecting a pick, obviously you have book, not higher, but in terms of balancing out those two and comparing those two, what do you see as reasons why you would go with one over the other? Uh, great question. So I was book night and Moody, correct? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, so I, I have Moody two spots lower than book night. So okay. I also really love Moses Moody. Um, I, I think if, if you're in a situation where you, you have them that close on the board, um, you know, when, when you're putting a big board together, you, if you're not thinking about a specific team, then you're just looking at the skill set in general, right? And so the reason I have book night higher is I think that that skill set leads to a better chance at, like you said, a higher ceiling, a, a potential 20 plus 25 point per game player. Um, but Moses Moody is tailor made for the for the modern NBA, right? He's he's a no doubt three and D guy um, who can guard multiple positions. Uh, obviously, a better shooter uh, than Book Knight um, in a variety of ways. But I think Book Knight is going to have an easier time scoring. I think he's going to be more of a volume scorer. Um, so you know, ultimately, it's what role are you trying to fill? Um, and I'll be totally honest; I, I haven't done my homework on the on the Pacers as far as their team needs. Um, but you know, if you're looking for that three and D guy. Moses Moody would be ideal in that role. If you're looking for somebody who's just a straight bucket getter, uh, that's when I would lean towards book night. I mean, the Pacers obviously have a need for both. I think both guys are going to be you know, very good in the league. I, I feel probably Moses Moody might be a bit of a safer pick, but I do love the scoring upside of uh, James Booknight. Uh, but can you speak a bit on his handles? Because from everything I've been reading, we're talking about the guy that seems like does not have a weak hand. Is that true? Yeah, uh, as far as I can tell, um, he he's very comfortable with both hands. He's you know got a, a fairly tight handle. Uh, he's not Sharif Cooper out there, um, but he's he's got a very functional handle, very reliable, and it allows him to get to where he needs to be. Uh, and then it allows him to you know go into whatever uh, combination or whatever move he wants to make to get himself open. So I I kind of referenced earlier one of his favorite moves is that step back going left. Um, so, you know, getting the ball to his left hand, um, getting the isolation, and then creating that space. Um, and, and that's why I think he's he's really just an all-around scorer. Is there are a lot of guys who, when they get the shot off, it looks great, um, but they can't create that space. Um, so the fact that he can, you know, because of his handles and that combination of a quick first step, um, that's where I think he, he could kind of be a lethal scorer. Okay, so this next question I want to ask, it's just kind of a general question, but is there a player comp that you have for James Booknight? So I, I got to always be careful with player comps because people take them out of context. <laughs> yes, um, <laughs> But if, if everything goes right, um, the mold is kind of similar to Zach Levine, um, Kind of, but like Zach Levine light. Uh, I think Levine's a better athlete, a better playmaker, a better shooter. Um, but uh, we're talking about a guy who 
who just popped off for almost what 30 points a game this year. So um, if he gets anywhere, you know, if he's 80% of Zach Levine, uh, he's, he's still a, a very high level starting caliber player. Mm-hmm. Uh, but stylistically, that's kind of the, the player that I see. All right. Watch. Okay. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you know, I know that uh, Book Knight had an elbow injury this year that uh, kind of messed with the season a little bit. But do you think that's something that contributed big time to lower field goal percentages? Because that's kind of only my real hesitation here. Um, I really don't know. That's a good question. Um, I do think it's something you need to take into account. Um, I, I don't have the notes in front of me, but I want to say it wasn't his only injury in college either. Um, and if that's the case, um, you know, it's definitely something to monitor. Um, but yeah, I think, especially with an elbow injury, um, I think you'd be a little more hesitant attacking the rim, um, trying to finish over and through guys, uh, might make them a little more hesitant in that regard and maybe settle for more shots. Um, so from that standpoint, yeah, I could definitely see how, uh, how it would lead to a lower field goal percentage. All right. So that's so, a good point. I hadn't thought about it. So for my last question I have for you today in, in terms of book night, this would be more so for me because I'm still leaning moody over book night, but you're going to put on the cap of motivational speaker and you're going to motivate me to, you know, or I guess you could be a persuasive uh, speaker and try to persuade me into, you know, picking book night as, as my pick here with 13, if he's there on the board. So give me your best, your best speech, uh, whether it's persuasive or motivational to, to make me fall in love with James book night. All right. Well, first I would say uh, Moses Moody would be a very fine consolation prize. Um, <laughs> you know, you guys have talked about him in the past. We, we touched on him briefly today. You know what he can do. Um, personally, I, I think, you know, the, the adage is defense wins championships, but, you know, I'm a Mavs fan and having watched uh, Kawhi do whatever he wanted, no matter how many hands were in his face, uh, if you're that good offensively, it doesn't really matter what defense they throw at you. Um, so if I can get a guy that I feel confident is a legitimate three-level scorer, um, can finish the way he can, has the mid-range, I think he's going to shoot threes well. Um, And and if all that pans out, like I think it will, um, those kind of players don't just grow on trees, Um, especially ones that are not liabilities on defense. And and in some cases could be positive uh, as, you know, as an on-ball defender. Um, And, you know, again, I I think if I have the opportunity to take a guy that I I think has legitimate 20 to 25 point per game upside, uh, and I can get that guy at 13, uh, I think that would be a steal. I agree with you there. I think it's a perfect spot if he's there. I have seen some mock drafts, mock drafts earlier where he was at the back end of that top 10, but we'll see. But if this is someone that if he can improve on his cash and shoot and three point shooting, I think can be a really dynamic score, like you said, but Taking it maybe five, ten years from now, where do you see his career kind of projecting? Uh, do you see him as a starter, an all-star, or an all-NBA player, or just a rotational player? Uh, I think ultimately we're looking at a guy who, you know, within a couple of seasons is is a comfortable starter um, or six man who's essentially playing starting minutes, uh, you know, kind of in that, you know, Lou Williams type type of role. 
Um, and, and I would say 10 years from now, you're looking at a guy who I'll play it safe and say is, is kind of a borderline all-star. Um, somebody that you look at and say, yeah, he's probably a top 40 guy in the NBA right now, um, which would make him a really strong number two on a lot of teams. Um, so again, if, if that's a guy that you could draft in the back half of the lottery, I think you're doing a pretty good job. All right. Well, Flotch, did you have any more questions? No, I think I'm uh, pretty much just as high him high on him as you are um but hey as we continue these episodes going on i very well may fall in love with someone else you know i i oh i gotta ask you we're at this moment in our in our prospect chronicles fudge are you leaning book night or are you leaning moody i think i think i'm probably still leaning moody just as a safer pick but i love the upside from james book night i do think that He's more of a, I don't want to say riskier, but he's got a higher ceiling, I think, for being a scorer, you know, just like um, just like we were talking about. Awesome. Well, well, Jared, can you let the people know once again where they can find you at and all the great work you have going on over at Mavs Draft? Uh, sure. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Jared underscore Katz30. That's K-A-T-Z. Um and uh, Richard and I over at Mavs Draft are getting ready to pump out a whole bunch of other prospect breakdowns similar to this one. Um, so if that's your if that's your alley, um, you know, the Mavs don't have a pick this year. So so we're not really Mavs focused. We're, we're just looking at the prospects in general. Um, and uh, thank you guys so much for having me on.